Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me once again. This is a two-time veteran of Cast-A-Day. Ladies and gentlemen, Dawn Shana Moon. How are you, Dawn? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming back. You know, I enjoyed our conversation so much the first time around, and I know a lot of our listeners did as well. So we had to have you back on the show. <laughs> right on, right on. So what have you been up to? Well, I mean, I, I know what you've been up to because I've been seeing you just light up the Internet on fire, you know. Um, why don't we just kind of dive right in and talk about <laughs> the the amount of congratulations that you're due? Uh, because Rax Geek was nominated for Best Dance Troupe in Chicago by the, yeah. the Reader Magazine. We're really excited about that. I had no idea that we would get enough votes to be nominated. So that's pretty amazing. It if is. You're listening to it, and you can go vote. You can go <laughs> to the Chicago Reader's website. Until June 12th, I think, is when voting closes and vote for us to be best dance troupe in Chicago, which is amazing. Yeah, because, I mean, we know you're the best dance troupe in Chicago, but <laughs> the reader needs to be aware of that, too. So we're going to make sure. <laughs> it would be also really excellent visibility for both belly dance and for nerds in Chicago. I mean, the other groups that are up are amazing, um, but they're, they're a little bit more. There's one group that is a kind of vaudeville group there's another that's modern dance and then another one is hubbard street dance chicago which is a really fantastic modern dance troupe that performs internationally so that's kind of an amazing group of people to be put right alongside that's very cool but you know that's them we want rags geek to win nobody else does nerd things (laughs) that's right we need to represent for the nerds you know exactly yes Speaking of representing for nerds, um, you recently started getting into um, the podcast game a little bit with uh, with Mitchy, uh, Mitchy Trota, for those who aren't aware, but who isn't. Um, you guys actually tore down and reconstructed and tore down again uh, two things <laughs> that were hot topics of conversation over the past year. First of which being the uh, the Doctor Strange movie that came out. Mm-hmm. So what what was the uh, the intent of that of that um, of that piece? So for Doctor Strange, what we did was that that was actually a review that was done. Um, that was a written review. Oh yeah, right. right, right. Um, but we realized that a lot of the voices that were talking about the issues of Doctor Strange were coming from the perspective of, you know, white people, which is fine. But we weren't seeing a lot of Asian American voices talking about the issues with Doctor Strange, which there are a lot of issues in terms of Orientalism and othering Asians. Uh, So we wanted to address that from the perspective of two Asian American women who had slightly different opinions actually on the subject. In the end, I thought Dr. Strange, I mean, it had obviously all of the the issues with whitewashing and the issues with Orientalism. But aside from that sort of stuff, I thought it was actually a reasonably enjoyable movie. It wasn't amazing, but it was okay. Mitchie hated it and wanted to basically burn it to the ground. Well, being a fire spinner, I understand that's that's the instinct too. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Fire sells everything. Yes, just just scorch the earth. That's it. It's done. <laughs> so yes, that was that was a very interesting um, think piece that was put out there. Oh, shout out to uh, Kedra Cheney and the Learn Fangirl for providing that platform. By the way, that's um, definitely it's a great source for that type of writing, you know, and just to be entertained in general. So the other thing was um, Iron Fist. Now that that was the audio recording. That was the podcast that you guys did. Yeah, that was a three-part podcast review kind of mini-series where Mitchie and I watched through the entirety of Iron Fist, which 
I got to tell you, by the time it was a couple episodes in, it was a real slog. Every episode we were watching, we were armed with cake and chocolate and food. (laughs) And it was still like pulling teeth to sit in front of the TV and just have to watch this thing because it was... Even if you had no issue with all of the, I mean, there were a lot of issues in terms of how Iron Fist dealt with Asian culture. But even aside from those things, it was just badly written and really, really poorly acted. So I couldn't even find anything to enjoy in the middle of all of that. Uh, so Michi and I get a, did a little bit of a snarky three-part review of that which I guarantee you is going to be more entertaining than actually sitting through and watching it. Yeah, I was I was living for those, man, for a minute because <laughs> you know, it almost made it worse because uh, along with the uh, you know, the representation of Asian culture just being completely missed, uh coming off of something that got it right on so many levels like Luke Cage and then mm-hmm. going to that, it was just such a big departure. Yeah. It was really disappointing, actually. It really was just because I wanted something interesting to happen, and it just. But it's almost like taking your medicine. You 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 want to catch it because you want to watch the defenders. You want it to be relevant, but at the same time, it's just it's wasting time. You're you're doing crossword puzzles while you're watching it, pretty much. It's really wasting time. Honestly, I would say read a summary of of Iron Fist as opposed to slogging through all of it because there's so many things that just didn't make sense. He's an incredibly unsympathetic character. He kept talking about how he had the fastest donkey cart in Kunlun, which nobody cares. It's a donkey <laughs> cart. Like, that's not impressive. And he kept presenting these sorts of things as though they were really impressive, which is maddening. No, and it was, it's bad. I don't even remember that part of it because I just, I tuned it out after a while, honestly. I'm like, oh, geez, let's, let's see what's going on on Facebook here. Okay. Is he fighting anyone yet? No? Okay. Well, all right. Back to Facebook. Well, the were generally awful as well. Oh, yeah. Big time. That, that was the other part. I mean, Iron Fist is supposed to be the best martial artist in the universe. It was so clear watching him that he couldn't fight. Uh, and then there would be these moments where there was a an actually pretty good fight scene with uh, Iron Fist versus Louis Tan, who was playing a kind of bad character who showed up in one episode. Uh, he he almost was cast as Iron Fist, so that that was something that was kind of making news and headlines. So he was almost cast as Iron Fist, and he could actually fight. He's somebody who's been studying martial arts since he was a kid, and it shows. Oh, wow. It was a great homage to Jackie Chan doing his Drunken Master sort of bit as well. So you could you could tell actually, um, instead of having Finn Jones sort of really obviously <laughs> in that fight scene. He put on a hoodie, so it's almost like a stunt double to get in there and do a little bit more work, and you didn't have to see the the actor who clearly... He got, I think it was three months of martial arts training before they started filming, and then they would... Well, actually, it might have been less than three months. Hmm. It was a really, really short time period for somebody who had zero martial arts training at all. And then apparently they only rehearsed the fight scenes you know, a couple of times before shooting them. I mean, it shows. It was really, really lazily done. It really did show, uh, you were, you know, I was waiting for that hallway scene like in Daredevil, something that really just stood head and shoulders above everything else. It was well choreographed and just really got the mood of the character. Didn't happen. Not yet. Not yet. So hopefully he's got a little bit of uh, a wake up call after that. And they really try to bring it to the table with defenders. So we'll see. Uh, I can't even say cautiously optimistic, I, you know. I, watched you all that. <laughs> I really kind of hate Finn Jones as an actor, but 
I think he was poorly cast. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with you. <laughs> well, let's let's dip back into something a little more positive at this point. Let's talk about <laughs> Rex Geek a little bit more. So, I went to um, a, a recent show, and what was great about this one, of course, besides the usual performances, is that this was actually a fundraiser for I Need Diverse Games. Uh, our mutual friend Tanya DePaz, she has this this uh, this great um, presence online where she can promote games featuring uh, people of color, marginalized folks, and just really put on blast the stuff that uh, you know doesn't quite get it right. And she does a great job. So it was really cool to see Rax Geek supporting I Need Diverse Games like that. One of the things that happened in the aftermath of the election was we as a group in Rax Geek, we were trying to figure out uh, how, how do we use our platform and the things that we do as artists um, in order to, you know, resist not just the Trump administration because it's much larger than just one man or a handful of people. How do we use art to resist hate, right? How do how we fight hate as artists? So a couple of things came out of that. One thing is that we have become much more open. I mean, it's pretty clear if you see us. Most of us are. I mean, we are in a majority Asian American group, which is pretty rare in the performing world, especially in the belly dance world. Mm-hmm. And we are also majority LGBTQ. Uh, and those are things that, they're, they're groups that are much more under fire uh, right now than they used to be. And so one of the things that came out of the election was we decided to be much more open in telling our stories as who we are as Asian Americans or the people in the group who are LGBTQ, much more open about telling their stories um, about what it's like to to live in this world as somebody who is LGBT. Um, and another thing that came out of that was, at least probably for the foreseeable future, we're going to be donating a portion of the proceeds from our shows at Uptown Underground to a group that could use some help. So the last show that like you were at, we donated money to I Need Diverse Games, and we also had Tanya come and talk for a couple of minutes because we want to give people a little bit of a platform as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, and so this next show that we're doing coming up uh, June 16th, we're going to be donating a portion of proceeds to Lane Tech's uh, computer science department. So that's a really fantastic uh, high school in Chicago. It's a public school. And the teachers in the computer science department are really under-resourced. And they're fantastic people who are working really hard for their students. Uh, And their department could use some money in order to do some more things in terms of educating. So we're glad to help them out with that. And we're going to have one of the teachers come and talk for a couple of minutes about what they're doing in CPS. That's a great thing. So folks can come to these shows. They can be entertained and they can donate to a good cause. That's always great. Yeah. So we're excited to help. So what... (laughs) <laughs> of course, yourself excluded in this question. What have you seen from the troop lately that you're just like really excited about that you can't wait to see uh, the reactions on people's faces? You know, when I went to the show uh, recently, I saw Kamran uh, do his Sephiroth piece and that just like knocked my socks off because mm-hmm. I, I love that character. I love Kamran. So it's like, yes. <laughs> Kamran is really fantastic for this next show because it is science fiction themed. They're going to be doing a piece based on Dune. And the music also comes from an artist who created an entire album of music that was based off of Dune. Oh, wow. So I, 
people are going to freak out because it opens with the litany against fear <laughs> and they will be to that and it will be amazing that's cool uh, i know d is definitely gonna want to go see that because she's in love with dune and she's still trying to get me on board <laughs> <laughs> dune is great Another thing I'm really excited about is this This is not a brand new act, but not enough people have seen it. Uh, Gia Lady does a really, really amazing act as Rey from Star Wars. Oh, cool. So she comes on stage and <clears throat> she's in the full kind of Rey cosplay. And then she takes off. Um, Ray has, you know, what basically looks already kind of like veils or fabric, right? Kind of draped around her chest. So one by one, she's taking those off, and she uses the the veils as fabric props. So that's really amazing. And then she gets two double staves, and she lights them on fire. And she'll do things like balance one staff, which is on fire, on her head, mm. and then stand in a like one-legged yoga pose while holding her other leg up behind her, and then twirling the other double staff in front of her which is also on fire it's just insanely amazing that is nuts like (laughs) (laughs) i can kind of picture what you're saying in my head but the fact that it's taking so many like mental gymnastics make me makes me think i have to see these actual gymnastics in person so definitely yeah we're gonna check that out (laughs) that that is honestly one of my favorite things ever so i want her to do it in pretty much every show at this point that's really cool i know gia lady uh did poison ivy when uh when i came last time and that was pretty cool and what's interesting too you and i uh discussed the burlesque hall of fame uh since last we spoke you know cheap plug uh, <laughs> we discussed the burlesque hall of fame and i'd never heard of that before it was still a fairly new concept but now like it seems like every single person i know who's involved in the burlesque world is talking about the burlesque hall of fame it just happened this past weekend i believe so yeah folks are just super excited about it <laughs> I think it's funny, sometimes in these circles, once you hear about something and so it's on your radar, you realize actually it's been everywhere all the, the entire time. That's very true. Yeah, a lot of things do work that way. That's cool. So, um, you know, we talked about Mitchie a little bit earlier and uh, her Wonder Woman fire swords are just pieces of legend. Uh, I see that you actually saw the Wonder Woman movie uh, fairly recently. Uh, what did you think of it? What was your, what was your impression? Everybody needs to go see it right now. Wow. That's my impression. <laughs> um, I was really, really excited to see it. I got to see a, a slightly early screening. It was a private event. So it was just a theater full of nerds. And I mean, you can't get better than that. But Wonder Woman was incredibly, incredibly well done. I got to admit, I was never actually a fan of Wonder Woman when I was a kid. So it was really interesting to see it on screen because I... I never watched, like, there was a Justice League cartoon or the Wonder Woman comics. I never read any of those. I actually, when I was, I was thinking about this recently, like, why did I not relate to Wonder Woman when I was younger? And honestly, it came down to her costume. I didn't think that the Carol's character looked very cool. So I just wasn't interested. Which, honestly, I mean, there's a lot to unpack right there in terms of how we present characters to people and get them interested in them. And, like, what are culture sort of values but the film was incredibly well done I don't think Wonder Woman could have been acted any better um Gail Simone I saw on Twitter just after getting out of the screening and she of course is the longest running uh, female writer 
creator of the Wonder Woman comic was jumping up and down on Twitter. There were literally, I think, a series of five tweets in a row that were nothing but, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's, that's the highest praise you can get. When, that's when the highest praise you can get. When and Gail Simone approves, yes, you know. <laughs> and also, it was so good to have a superhero film that was not just a well-done superhero film, but it was a film that was about something. It was a film that talked about things that are really important and it talked about being kind to people and it talked about um, how how we create the world that we live in in terms of uh, by, by choosing. Like, are you going to choose to do something that is good? Are you going to choose to do something that is evil? And what are the consequences of that? And those are really important things thematically to be talking about, I think, especially right now where we are in our culture. You're very right about that. I look forward to seeing the movie personally because just just the idea alone that there's a DC movie that I can walk out of without feeling just sad and just pushed down. <laughs> you know, that's something that I'm looking forward to. It's easily the best DC movie outside of Batman in decades. That's really cool. And I'm glad that a lot of folks are comics now after I've seen it. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad folks are showing up for it too. I, I see it's breaking records, so that's cool. Um yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about um your music. I know last time we did discuss you had uh some new music coming out, but recently uh I see that you've actually filmed a music video that you've been working mm -hmm. on with uh with your friends over at Rack Ski. Yeah, it's actually a really fantastic collaboration because I get to bring my belly dance and fire spinning selves into my music self. So it's uh, the music video that we shot and it's right now in post-production. Um, it's a combination of, it's one of my songs and on it I'm playing piano and I'm singing its original. Uh, it's a an adaptation of a traditional Chinese song that I've kind of totally reworked how the music sounds um, and my band plays on it and everything. So then in the video, you have me playing, but really the focus is on the members of Rock's Geek dancing and spinning fire. So you have me kind of doing a little bit of that to bridge some, bridge some scenes, but you get to see a lot of really amazing dancing. And they're not doing nerd-themed dancing in this case, but they're just doing really, really good examples of what they do in terms of belly dance and fire spinning. That's really great. And we will definitely post that video uh, on Facebook and everywhere uh, when it debuts. Uh, I, I personally cannot wait for the person that is a fan of your music that somehow didn't know what else you're into and then sees this. It's like, oh, my gosh, she must have trained for years to do this one music video. <laughs> Little do they know I trained for years, but not just for the music video. Right, right. You just, you just another tool in your toolbox, right there. That's that's cool. It really is. <laughs> uh, I was just saying, it's it's pretty odd for. I mean, my music it's somewhere between folk and pop, with some traditional Chinese music and some jazz thrown in. So it tends to be far more serious, a bit more melancholy. And then now you're you're combining it with belly dance, which is just not a thing that people would think to put together. <laughs> Yeah, I, I will definitely post some links to that as well so people can get familiar and get ready and then see the debut of the brand new video. That's going to be awesome. Before I let you go, uh, I do have to just kind of geek out a little bit over this. I saw that you recently traveled to France and while you were there, you actually did some Assassin's Creed cosplay on these beautiful cathedrals. <laughs> 
so what came first? Was it the was it the trip idea or was it the cosplay idea that falls that that inspired the trip? I gotta know. Oh, it's totally accidental. Okay. So I have been to I think twenty countries now. I'm constantly looking for my next travel destination, and I've been to France a number of times. I think this is probably the fifth trip to France. So I, I speak French. Um, I'm rather rusty, but it's enough to get around. And I studied French for a long time. So I love going to France. So the trip had sort of been in the works already. And then right before leaving for France, actually, I sort of planned this poorly. Uh, I was leaving for France the weekend of C2E2. Oh, so wow. instead of getting to spend the entire weekend at C2E2, I spent Friday there and did a show uh, where I was performing with Acrobatic Infinity Circus and then kind of walked around and talked to people about Rock's Geek stuff and did some interviews. I was and wondering they, where you disappeared to because I'm like, I know I saw her one of these days. <laughs> right, right. So I was only able to, I took Friday off of my day job and got to do all the performing sort of things and then the next day hopped on a plane to France. But while I was at C2E2 this year, there is a company that, that makes uh, um, Assassin's Creed themed jackets and sweaters and I've been eyeing these things literally for years I've kind of been stocking them but they were kind of expensive so I hadn't jumped on it yet mm-hmm. but they were there at C2E2 and so I got to try on some clothes and then I realized that the jacket that I was ironing was entirely made of cotton which meant that I could fire spin in it and so I thought well technically now <laughs> I could use this as a performance thing which makes the you know spending all the money on the coat a little bit easier to swallow <laughs> so I bought it. And then when I went to France, you know, I needed a coat to bring with me. When I went and I thought, well, I just bought this brand new jacket. I'm going to take it with me. And when you're walking around medieval castles and you happen to be wearing a coat that's basically Assassin's Creed cosplay, you've got to take some pictures. Of course. <laughs> so that's what it was. It was all these things that just kind of happened in my life just because I am who I am. And the, the convergence of that turned into Assassin's Creed cosplay in real life amongst medieval castles uh, in Carcassonne and uh, in various parts of Provence. Well, shoot, I, I have a feeling that someone is going to mistake one of your photos for a screenshot from the next game. So I'm going to keep a close <laughs> eye out on that. <laughs> that would be amazing. It then really I know is. I've done my job well. Yes, yes. You, ra- you definitely raised the bar. Well, Don, thank you so much. We're going to keep an eye out for that new music video coming from you. Of course, we'll share uh, your music with everyone. And folks, don't forget, Rax Geek Starspace Fighter is Friday, June 16th at 8 p.m. Doors open at 7.30 at their home at Uptown Underground. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully, we'll see you there. Don, you've been great once again. Thank you so much for joining me. Matt, thank you so much for having me on. All right. And thank you, folks, for listening. We'll take. Uh, we'll see you next time. And uh, what is it I always say? Stay mighty. There you go. Ha, ha, ha.